Hi class, this is your instructor, Skylar Roth, and welcome back to another podcast. I have now moved on to the 13th chapter, and this is all about gene expression. To jump right on in, I'll start with what is happening here. So this is going about that gene-protein relationship, and I'll begin with two scientists, Beetle and Tatum. So what Beetle and Tatum came up with is known as this one gene, one protein, or one gene polypeptide hypothesis. In other words, one gene codes for one protein. I'll be that blunt and stop it right there. What I'll get to now in 13.2 is uh, I'm going to outline the flow of genetic information in cells from DNA to RNA to polypeptide. I'll compare the structure of DNA and RNA and explain why the genetic code is said to be redundant or even what I say is universal and how this relates to evolution. First things first, RNA. So what RNA is, is ribonucleic acid. Yet and still, it's made up of the nucleotide, at least in subunit form or monomer. Still, there's a phosphate backbone. We still have a pentose sugar. In this case, it's ribo, ribose. It is ribose. And yet and still, we have the nitrogen base. The biggest difference in RNA, the nitrogen bases, are a bit different. So we still have adenine, we still have guanine. We still have cytosine. However, there is no, I repeat, there is no thymine. In, in place of thymine, there is uracil. That's U-R-A-C-I-L, uracil. So A is paired with U, and G is yet and still paired with C. So to get to what, what we're going to is RNA is that link to DNA and the protein. So first things first, I'll go to that central dogma of DNA. DNA, yes, is trans. I guess I'll say, yes, DNA is replicated into getting more and more DNA, one of those processes you'll explain in the test. Well, now I'll say DNA is transcribed into RNA, and RNA is translated into the protein. So let's begin now with a few more things about gene expression. So to help you get there, gene expression is simply a series of steps in which information in the sequence of bases in DNA determine the makeup of that cell's protein. Yet again, DNA to RNA to protein. So as I get here now, I'll say that DNA is transcribed into an RNA, and it takes that information that's in one language called DNA and transcribes it into another language called RNA. And of course, there are different types of RNA, messenger RNA, transform RNA, and ribosomal RNA. So that's mRNA, tRNA, and rRNA. So as I continue on, we also have what is known as a, as a codon. I know I've mentioned from DNA to RNA to protein, but of course, a codon, of course, is what specifies one amino acid. And all a codon is is three consecutive bases in mRNA, such as AAU or UAA or CCC. All of those are codons that specify some amino acids. So I said AAU, that would be ASN. I'm getting this from the amino acid chart that you all can find on page 277. I said A-U-U, which of course is L-L-E, and I think I also said C-C-C, or C-C-U, but they're both the same, P-R-O, the, the amino acid. In the meantime, the triplet code is what is used to, I guess I'll say, get to what is known as that amino acid, and it's because a codon consists of three nucleotides. Lastly of which is, I'll say, 
it starts. I mean, the process of transcription, even translation, began with a start codon. I'll, I'll help you out. That start codon will, will be what codes for methionine, which is AUG. So AUG is that start, and that's the place at which it starts. And, of course, stop codons, such as UGA or UAA or even UAG, or what stopped the process. And those things I just gave you, stop and start codons, are not needed, at least nothing to remember. Finally, translation. Translation, of course, occurs in the cytoplasm of the cell, as opposed to the first two processes we've gotten to. Processes we've gotten to. Replication occurs in the nucleus, as well as transcription. However, translation occurs in the cytoplasm by way of ribosomes. So I'll now get into the process of why they say this code is universal. And I'll say the genetic code is universal. And the reason I say this is because, of course, those things that are living, meaning living organisms, we all have those very same things, meaning A's, T's, G's, and C's, including those things known as U's. So I'll now get into the process of transcription. This is section 13.3. So you compare the process of transcription and DNA replication, identifying with similarities and differences. And let's begin. So RNA polymerase, of course, has to be there. RNA polymerase is what catalyzes the synthesis of many types of RNA molecules. But to get to the point, I'll put it this way. Transcription as replication, they both proceed in that five prime to three prime direction. Keep that in mind. So as DNA was stated to be anti-parallel, just keep in mind that RNA is single-stranded. So the key point, as shown on page 280, is where we're going. So mRNA is synthesized in that 5 prime to 3 prime direction as a template strand of DNA molecule is red. So let's go there now. So the, the way the process works is you must first get those things that are needed for the process to occur. So initiation, or at least getting the things needed for a transcription, is getting those transcription factors and attaching those as it states at the, I don't see this yet, huh? I'll, I'll just say at the ta-ta box. That's T-A-T-A, to determine the direction in which transcription will proceed. So that ta-ta is, if you look at page 281, the ta-ta sequence is right there in the promoter region. So part of that promoter sequence or promoter region is where we are. And of course, more transcription factors are added. And then finally, RNA polymerase. I say again, finally, RNA polymerase is added to, of course, create that transcription initiation complex to allow elongation to occur. So elongation is the making of the RNA molecule, adding those A's, adding those U's, adding those C's and G's so we can get to the process of what's to come next being translation. The after termination is what is next because of a stop codon, which stops transcription at that A-A-U-A-A-A sequence. And then, of course, RNA polymerase will release from that strand of DNA. Nextly, you have to modify what's been created. Because us being eukaryotes, I say, we transcribe and translate it all. So we must modify that. Modification happens in three ways. First things is, well, first things first, is front-end modification, which is adding that 5' prime cap. And it's to stick to the ribosomes attachment, but also that 5' prime cap is to protect that mRNA from digestive enzymes in the cytoplasm. Thereafter is back-end modification, adding that poly-A tail, which is that 50 to 250 adenines added to the back end. 
And then finally is middle modification. And middle modification is explained as a key point on page 283. So here in middle modification, this is where it gets, I say, pretty interesting, in which spliceosomes remove those non-coding regions known as introns from that RNA. So they cut out those introns, those non-coding regions. So what we're left with after the spliceosomes have worked is that secondary mRNA, which will be leaving via nuclear pores. And the reason it can leave is because without uracil, because thymine is too large to exit spores, RNA can now move directly into the cytoplasm for translation. So as I said, the 5' cap was added to signal the ribosome, less signal the ribosome. So let's now begin the process of translation. Yet and still, the process occurs in that 5 prime to 3 prime direction. I'm here in 13.4, going through those objectives as you see there. First things first, we'll use tRNA here, transfer RNA. And by way of that ribosome, if you can look at page 285 in figure 13.14, or at least 13.14, you can see that large subunit has the EPA there. I say the EPA because I think that's what you all can remember. So I'll use EPA from the A site first. A is for attachment. That's where that tRNA will attach. By way of that codon on the mRNA and the anticodon, the anticodon, if you were to look back on page 284, at that bottom left, is what has to match that mRNA, such as that UUC, which would have had to bend there to get, of course, this AAG, anticodon by way of the tRNA. So going by that strand of mRNA, what is then added, of course, is the very next amino acid. So what will happen is the tRNA will, of course, move down from the A site to the P site, adding that amino acid. And then lastly, that tRNA will move from that E site, which is exit. And of course, it will exit. So let's get back to how the process works. So as the process works, the small subunit will attach that 5 prime cap that signaled it in. And that came from, of course, post-transcription modification moments ago at that AUG, our restore codon. So it says tRNA, using the anticodon, will bring in the methionine to start making the protein. Here, elongation occurs, making that primary sequence of amino acids. And of course, the ribosome translocates down that mRNA, one codon at a time, adding a single nucleotide. Adding, I'm sorry, a single nucleic amino acid going from the A site for attachment to the P site for protein and then to the E site for that tRNA to exit once it's brought in the amino acid. Last thing is, of course, termination. At that stop codon, meaning once the stop codon reaches the A site, release factors at the A site will, of course, cause a, a hydrolysis reaction to release the protein. So that mRNA may be reused or broken down and recycled. It just depends. Modification here. I'll make the modification a bit more simple in this case. So the way in which modification occurs is if that protein is required to stay inside the cell, the primary sequence of amino acids will enter the chaperonin. If that otherwise protein is to be exported out of the cell, it will enter into that rough endoplasmic reticulum. So here, of course, keep in mind the mutations in section 13.5. I will spare going over the terms. Here are four mutations, but please don't forget about the, what a mutation is, meaning a change in a nucleotide sequence of DNA, and then a base pair substitution, a missense, a nonsense, nonsense, the frame shift mutation, and not to forget the, yes, transposons. And time that gets mean. Please don't forget that you all are able to review 
using that summary, the focus on learning objectives. Because I will always tell students, if you can have one way to know whether you know it, is by using those objectives. They let you know what you should know upon finishing the chapter, or at least a section from the chapter. On the test, you'll explain those processes of replication, transcription, and translation, including their importance and the role of each. Thank you all for listening to class. It's so do well. This has been your instructor, Skyler Huff.